0: Welcome back for season two of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you deepen your faith, build stronger relationships, and do the most with your life in Christ. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back. Thanks for joining today. I'm so glad we have this time together today we will be looking at a Bible story, Acts chapter 23. It was a specific instance in the life of the Apostle Paul where he had been detained in Jerusalem and a group of Jews had made it their purpose in life to kill him. And we're going to talk about the oath that those men took in that chapter and see if we can determine the difference between an oath and a curse, and I think the text will help us, And Hopefully, as this episode pulls together, you will be able to reevaluate the commitments that you have made in this life. Do you make oaths? Do you take vows? Is your yes, yes, as Jesus said, or your no, no? We will talk about all of that. In the end, there are certain times when we do those things where we enter into a vow that we must determine to keep for the duration of our lives. However, I would like to argue today that some vows need to be broken. Some oaths need to be eradicated. If you determine that a commitment you have made, that you compromise and sacrifice other things in order to stand by your word, is actually a curse, it's time to make a change. And so today we need to look at What's the difference between an oath and a curse? When should we be willing to break it? And what does that look like? I hope that you enjoy the Bible study portion of what we're doing today. I want to make the Scripture a little bit more of a centerpiece in upcoming episodes over the next several weeks. Part of this grows out of last week's episode, Around the Sun, where I talked about how we need to get Jesus and His Word and the true light back in the center of everything that we do. All of our self-improvement, goal-setting, learning needs to be centered in Jesus and His words. In fact, if you listened to the intro today, and at this point, you probably hit the skip button on that, but if you happen to hear it today, you'll note that I made a change. It's not so much about getting the most out of your life as it is doing the most with your life, For Christ. I made that change, and that change will stick as the intro for the episodes from here on out. Special thanks to a really good friend of mine, BJ Jackson, who listened to the episode and suggested some wording changes, and I took his changes verbatim. So I hope in some way that pays honor to our friendship. Anyway, what that all means is more time in the Word, and Acts chapter 23 is where we will be today. I have to tell you, before I get into it, if daily interaction with the Word of God is not the way you're living, it's time to make a new oath. It's time to make a commitment that coordinates with the will of God. Get in the book. Read it and let it work on you. Let it shape the way you think. Let it plan your day and your future. To illustrate that, as I said, over the next several weeks, the episodes will be derived straight out of Bible Reads. And if you are looking to do that, to have more regular interaction with the Word, you've heard me talk over and over again about that one great hour in the morning and journaling. Each morning, I open the Excel Still More three-month journal. I write out a prayer, a couple of things about yesterday. I have a little section called Bible Read and Notes I've been reading one chapter each day in the book of Acts, and then writing down interesting things that I learned there. Today's episode is the product of that. So here's the short story. The Apostle Paul has caused a major uproar in Jerusalem, not because he is some insurrectionist against Jewish law, just because he is preaching the fulfillment of that law through Jesus. The Jews did not appreciate that. So a group of more than 40 of them formed a plot to kill Paul. And here's what the Bible says. I'm in Acts chapter 23, verse 12. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who formed this plot, verse 13, They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn oath to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Okay, so I stand corrected. It's not just an oath. It was a solemn oath. These men believe that they are making the right decision. They believe that killing Paul is the best way to honor God, much like Paul used to think before he learned the truth. They have made a holy and focused commitment to kill Paul in the name of God and not to taste food until they've done so. Well, as the story unfolds, the Apostle Paul's nephew hears about this and goes to Paul and tells him. And so the Apostles suggest that this young man be led to the commander and report it to the commander, and he does. And I want you to listen to the way that this boy describes the vow that the men had made. The commander has the boy come before him, and in verse 19 says, What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council, as though they were going to inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him. So do not listen to them. For more than 40 of them are lying in wait for him, who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. As a result of the testimony of this young man, the commander puts a royal guard around Paul, and they usher him out of Jerusalem safely to Caesarea. He lives through this occasion and really a handful of others, And he goes on to live another 10 years or so before dying for the cause of the Lord. But what I want you to focus on is how the boy described the solemn oath that the men had taken. He called it a curse. Why did he do that? He understands that they made a commitment. He's not denying that. He's saying they made a terrible commitment. They made a sinful one. They've acted in foolishness, and by their very commitment, they have brought a curse upon themselves. And if you think about it in the story, that's exactly how it would have borne out. If they had continued to honor the curse, they would have starved to death. They said, we will not eat until we have seen Paul dead. Well, I don't know about going 10 years without eating, but I suspect that would not work out well. They put themselves in a terrible position where they could keep their oath poorly made, ungodly in nature, and suffer for it, or they could break the curse and reverse their words. No news on what they did, but if I had to hazard a guess, the mob mentality men of weakness probably disbanded and went home and ate. So listen, a few days ago, I was just reading this story and I circled the reference to the oath in verse 14, the solemn one, and I circled the word curse in verse 21, and in my margin I wrote, oath or curse, question mark. And I started thinking about it. You know, I guess it just depends from which perspective you approach it. From the perspective of the men who thought they were doing right, they considered it a great commitment to God. From those who understood the foolishness of their ways, nothing good could come of it, and so it was a curse. And I started to think about my life, and ultimately yours, and the commitments that we make, the firm determinations we have. Maybe it's a vow we take, maybe a promise we make, maybe just some firm resolve we give to God. And no matter to whom it is given, I would argue this today. If the commitment you have made is of God, and serves God, and honors God, it is truly a solemn oath, and you should make whatever sacrifices necessary to keep your word. But if instead the truth has revealed the foolishness of the commitment, you try to be a person of honor and stick with what you said, but... It's just a curse, and it hurts you and others, and you're sacrificing things that matter. In the name of it, it's time to break it. You say, I don't break my commitments. Well, maybe use another C word. Break your curse. Now, before we are done today, I need to be really specific about this. I certainly don't need anyone finishing this episode thinking, you know, I made a marriage vow one time. And I thought it was a solemn oath, but it has not gone well. And now I can see it's a curse, and Chris said to break it. No, I did not. A marriage vow made in purity and in lawfulness is a godly agreement between you and another person united by the power of God. It is an oath by definition, and therefore not a curse and never should be viewed as one. It's not a curse just because it's hard. It's not a curse just because you don't want to do it anymore, or it's killing you, which would have actually been true if the guys hadn't eaten in our story. It is a curse if it dishonors God. It is a curse if it sacrifices the truth in its own name. Okay, more on that in a minute, but first, let's talk about the idea of making vows and taking oaths in and of themselves. You might say, well, Christians don't do things like that. And if you believe that, you would probably quote Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, so I'll go ahead and beat you to the punch on that. Jesus quoted from the law and said, You have heard that the ancients were told, quote, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, For it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be, yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Now, someone may say, well, there, you're not supposed to take an oath or make a vow. Instead, just say you will do something and do it or say you will not do something and don't do it. Well, if that's what you believe, I think you've assessed the punchline of Jesus' words properly, and I would say that that will apply just fine to our episode today. Even if you're not an oath taker, when you have agreed to do something, you have effectively put yourself under an oath, because just the very yes that comes out of your mouth is a binding commitment, and the same with no. If those commitments were made in faith and they're righteous, no matter how hard it gets, don't back out like maybe your commitment to be a Christian and faithful unto death. But if you've said yes to something, and I'll get a couple of specifics out of the way here, you've said yes to some friendships, you've said yes to some job or occupation, or to live in some place, and you can see that it was not God's will and it is not serving him, and you shouldn't have done this. There are people who will live under that curse to honor what they said they would do out of pride their entire lives. Break it. Jesus is not telling you to stand by your convictions, even if they're terrible ones. That was not the point at all. Instead, by the way, I think he's simply emphasizing that Christians are people who make the right commitments and stand to them, whether it's a yes, I will do it, or I know I will not. I'm not convinced he's eliminating oath-taking as some sinful behavior now. I believe he was just noting that some people would not honor their word unless there was some big fanfare procedural oath-taking. He said, forget about all that. Certainly, most of you agree with me, at least a little bit, as most who are listening have taken or will take the marriage vow. By the way, if you want more evidence that vow-making is still okay, look no further than the example of the Apostle Paul himself. In Acts chapter 18, verse 18, he had his hair cut in Syncrea for, quote, He was keeping a vow. And also in Acts 21, near the end of that chapter, there were four men under a vow associated with some Jewish customs, and Paul was encouraged to be a part of that with them to show that he was not some insurrectionist against the law. Okay, so maybe that is interesting to you, maybe not. I kept it short. Maybe you will get a chance to study that later. But it's not exactly what we are driving at today, whether it's a vow, oath, commitment, promise, or just your word, there are a couple of things that we need to evaluate. Firstly, are we making those commitments wisely when we commit to do something, to go somewhere, to work somewhere, to give our time to something, to carry out some task? Have we thought about the Lord first? Those men in our story were not truly thinking about God They were thinking about their own lusts, and they were reacting to their own jealousy and doing so in the name of God, but not really. Do you think through those things? Is this something that serves my God? Is this something that I can carry from now until I see Him face to face and stand by it because I know it pleases Him? And listen, your commitments in life need to meet that qualification— because it can get tough. Marriages can get really hard. Parenting, or living at home with your parents, or being committed to Christ, or being patient in a local church, or serving under an eldership that you committed yourself to, or standing by your faith in this sinful world. And don't leave this episode thinking, well, if that gets really hard and I don't want to do it anymore, I'll just call it a curse and let it go. That is not the case. A curse is a commitment you make that dishonors God, that is not pleasing to God, and the longer you stick with it, the more damage you do to yourself and others. Those are the things we've got to get out of. So please don't be someone who makes a truly solemn vow and then bails Because it's hard. The apostles never did that. Jesus never did that. And he's certainly saying that his people in the Sermon on the Mount won't do that either. However, the other side of the coin needs discussion. There are many people who feel like they've made the right decision only to discover that it was anything but the right call. But they can't quit now. They've already said they're going to move here or do that or be around those people or live that life. Can't back out now. Already told everyone, just like those guys in the story, let everybody know we will not eat until Paul is dead. Well, in the end, that decision would only kill themselves. But be warned, pride is a powerful thing. It is one of the Three tools in the devil's toolbox. He works with the lust of the eyes and flesh and the boastful pride of life. I made that commitment and I'm no quitter. I don't want people to see me fail. I'm not willing to admit that I was wrong. I gotta tell you, I sure hope those Jews admitted they were wrong and not only refused to starve themselves, but like Saul, turned to Christ abandoning those ways, and found salvation, and it may be that way with you. The humility to abandon direction, no matter what people think, because it's killing you and because God deserves better, and by His grace now you know better and you're ready to act in faith. Going forward, be the kind of person who knows the difference between an oath and a curse. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the program, please remember to share with your family and your friends. Also, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for emails, order the three-month journals, or just catch up on old episodes. So until next time, let me leave you with this. Whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.